Walking Through Glass, the podcast, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journey, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best-selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking Through Glass is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for this show. And when I say you're going to be in for like a super, super, super treat, I mean like a real treat. Just stay, I'm just saying, you just got to stick, stick with us. And this series that I launched, which has become like my, my boo has been this race class sisterhood series because I've had some amazing conversations with some amazing women who are really sharing what they're experiencing, what they're feeling and how they are traversing through this, what you can call a new normal if you want to. But I, I want to share with you is really the beginning of a huge paradigm shift. And so I am welcoming Jennifer Kenny to the show, and I think she might go by Jen. I don't know. She'll let us know what she deserved, what she'd like to be called. But I'm going to tell you, sit back, get ready, get your pants. She's going to drop some golden nuggets. We're going to have this amazing conversation, and you will not leave this listening session the same. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to have you. And I was like, you know, I can kind of share like this other long bio, but I think just a lot like me, you have to experience me. <laughs> right. I mean, like, it's, like the words doesn't do the justice of really experiencing and experiencing through our words, through our dialogue and our conversation. And so I wanted to start in there, but I know they probably are like a little curious. I want to know a little bit about you. So what do you want the listeners to know about you? 
Oh, that's a question. What do I want the listeners to know about me? Um, I am a person contending for a better world, and I'm passionate about justice, about humanity, about important conversations and how we engage them better, because I think that there is definitely... um, there's there's something missing there in in a lot of conversations today. So yeah, I'm a writer, a podcaster, a mother. I homeschool children. I have a child with complex medical needs. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and a massive mosaic of extraordinary um, things. And so when you pull all those pieces together, and you get an opportunity to, like you said, experience, like you just recently, and let, let me back this up because then people kind of can understand the connection, is that I was awakened to you based on you sharing your platform with Hannah Jones. Okay. And with the um, um, sharing, sharing your mic now movement piece, hashtag share mic now. And I started to look like, wow, you know, what an amazing, <laughs> you know, person, what an amazing opportunity, what an authentic voice for, for, um, not just change, but transformation and social justice. And I thought, I want to have her come on the show and talk (laughs) about this. And so not having your full background and there's something about the energy that's actually the essence of you that you see in the work that you've done and the, the, the digital footprint you put out there that made me realize I knew I wanted to know more. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Cause you never know with your digital footprint, what you're putting out there. Right. Um, and definitely having Hannah take over the space was amazing. She is such an amazing educator and just presence and force in this world and this fight for justice and racial justice specifically. And so I was just blown away. I didn't know what to expect. I approached her and I'm like, Hey, do you want to take my platform over for the day or a day? And she hopped right on it and asked if, you know, what I wanted. I'm like, it's yours. Totally. 100%. You can go live. You can do whatever you want as much, as little as you like. Um, And so when I woke up the next morning and took a look at the account, I was like, whoa, we went to like a month's worth of school in one day. So that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that is so I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because that is so Hannah. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Cause I'm, I wasn't very familiar with her. Um, more recently she and I connected on Instagram and I was just like, I think I'd love to have Hannah on and let's see what happens here. And so that was really awesome. It was very powerful. She's very passionate and she's such an amazing, um, creator and Hannah and I, um, were connected because we went to the same church, Christ our Redeemer. So Pastor Mark Whitlock, who she also moved to, um, DC to Maryland to work with and to really elevate where she's at. And again, the work that she did at UCI University of California, Irvine and her other groups. And just, you know, being that, um, I love how Hannah tells it. And she says like, when you talk about people that pour into and that to lead with me is that I sit and I'm here because I rest upon everyone who's breathed life into me. And that is such a powerful space. And, and, Hannah and I have had talks, gosh, over the last four years and various things. And I said, Hannah, you're going to know 
you're going to know when, and she's like, I, I'm not quite sure. This is four years ago. So the hand you see now is just this beautiful evolution is that I said, you're going to know. And I said, I see certain things where I can almost kind of script and say, here's where you, I believe is your space. But I said, it's nothing like your awakening. And when you awaken, I said, all I want you to do is we're going to look at me, you're going to give me that. And I know that, you know, and so we had that moment maybe two years or so ago and she looked at me and then you start seeing lead with me. And she goes, I lead. I go, absolutely, Hannah. Finally, we got that. That's awesome. <laughs> and so it's been great. But the, the, the courage that it takes for you to say, hey, here's my platform. I trust you <laughs> to do me justice. That was huge. Yeah. You know, you said something and it's about standing on the shoulders and the reason that we're here. And for me, I have been a student of anti-racism for the last eight years. And specifically in the last couple of years, like the only reason that I am where I am in this journey is because of the black women in particular and men who have been educating, who have been leading this, who have been teaching, who have been tirelessly putting their talents out there and their energy out there to educate people about racial injustice, racism, liberation work. And so I really, I feel like my platform and who I am is not it, like it's irrelevant in a sense without all of the learning that I've done from the black women and men in my life who have helped to educate me. So when I approached Hannah to say, Hey, do you want to take over the platform? Like for me, it was not it, like, it, it didn't even take me a second in a sense to think like, yeah, absolutely. She's got 800 followers. I don't have a ton. I've got 1800, whatever, but it's an opportunity to put her out there and give her a larger platform to teach and educate and hopefully get some people who will follow her and be impacted by her. And so this idea of like co-liberation is one that is really uh, important to me and that co-conspired work and teamwork. And so to me, you know, I'm like, Hey, Hannah, here it is. Take it. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Like I said, it was, it was, it speaks to, like I said, who you are and experiencing you. Like I can go and say, okay, let me read your bio, mm -hmm. but hearing your words as you describe your why to me is even more powerful <laughs> than reading through a list of the things that you've done, because it's really about the application of what you've done. And, and again, the narrative part of your story of how you came to that space. And so I wanted to you know, just spend a little time like talking about that because what's happening yeah. with this awakening, you've, you've been doing this work. This was not like, Oh, the last two weeks I'm awoke and now I want to do some work. You've been doing this type of work. So what are your thoughts about this new awakening that seems to happen, not just in America, but literally global? Ooh, that is quite a question, right? Because seriously, like eight years ago, I had returned from China. I lived there for about six years. I was a new mom. I had 14 month old twins. Facebook 
was just like, if you can imagine this, I hadn't really been on Facebook. I wasn't familiar with social media because the platforms in, in China are really locked down. And so I came back and I saw the social media platform and I started to dig in. And then I created these dinner parties called food for thought dinner parties, because what I saw is that people wanted to have conversations, but there was a lot of dysfunction around that. Right. And then that journey, I, I then learned about Trayvon Martin and watched that unfold and watched the way people experienced that based on their differences. And I started just digging deeper and deeper and researching history and um, doing a lot of listening and learning and reading and watching and all of that. And so, you know, a couple of years ago, I start this podcast to have these conversations with friends about racism and just about the work that they're doing and the things that they're experiencing. And it is fraught with, like the work is fraught with a lot of walls, a lot of people who are not interested in listening or learning. You know, when you tell somebody, oh yeah, I have this podcast that is specifically dedicated to anti-racism, like way to, you know, lose people really quickly. Um, and so, so I've spent these years just feeling this difficulty in getting people to engage. And then the last month or two happened and we had Ahmaud Arbery and then we had Breonna Taylor and then we had George Floyd. And I think this combination of us being at home with COVID and, and being in quarantine and being online a lot. And I know I was online way too much uh, for a, for a good portion of it. But, you know, I can't help but feel like that was this perfect storm, for lack of a better term, in terms of getting people who wouldn't otherwise be sitting long enough to really engage and pay attention and see things to finally see things. But I can't help but feel like there is also something very otherworldly to this as well, because this absolutely feels like the, the civil rights movement of this time. You know, and I've heard so many people say that. I've never seen momentum like this. I've never seen such ethnically, racially diverse uh, unity in a cause like this for justice, for racial justice, for equity. And that has been mind-blowing. Like on one hand, it gives me great hope. And then on another hand, I'm nervous because you see everybody all over the place saying Black Lives Matter and corporations putting it out and people wearing t-shirts and donning mugs and doing these things that are very cool on the surface. But the question that I have, particularly to my white counterparts is, what are you doing to engage this work internally? What are you, where are you going to be 30 days from now? How is this going to impact and affect lasting change? And we're seeing things happening right now with Brianna's Law and a variety of states, you know, taking a, a different look at policing and committing to defunding and taking funds and putting them elsewhere. And, and there are all of these things that really are happening 
And I think that's amazing. What I'm kind of sitting back and, and wondering, though, is how are people going to engage this work three weeks from now, four weeks from now, when everybody's back to work, people are back in their daily grind, they're not stuck at home anymore, they're not online as much. Is this just going to be like the, the thing of the month that people did and then forgot about? You are speaking my language, so I knew that it was absolutely, I told you, I knew. The spirit of discernment is strong within me, young Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) That That's what I was just sharing when I was actually having another conversation last night, is that when, it's like fish and relatives, after three days, then what? Yes. Where are you going to be, and are people reacting to assuage their own guilt? (sighs) <sighs> or are they putting in it so that they can respond and actually do something for the long game? Yes. And that I mimic, I, I share that this, there is an awakening and there's power. And so there's been different, as I've sat back and watched what's happening and going on, because to me, it's important to cultivate a response that's aligned to who I am and how to use my gifts in this, what I call dog fight for the long haul. And so I want knee jerk reacting. And so I see some and people saying, let me assuage you and let me placate you with some money, you know? So yeah, Netflix, I'll give you 120 million for HBCUs, but do you, what does your board look like? What does your programming look like? I'm waiting for a Hallmark (laughs) <laughs> to come on because I love Hallmark. Okay. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> but I was sitting there the other day as this was happening and I was processing, like I said, my own understanding and, and where I was going, where I was going to use the power of my voice. And I said, I love Hallmark. I watch these movies, but how much also has who I thought I was or could be is tied into the subliminal subconscious connection to what I'm watching in TV because only white people have, have love because that's what Hallmark said. And, and even their, the, the recent shows, and if they do do a movie and there has a person of color in there or even a black person in there, it's like, wow, it's a, there's one, you know? Right. And so I've kind of been sitting in that a lot going, let's see what happens in 30 days. And so how am I going to build a sustainable construct to, to really lend you know, the voice? And so I tell people, you, it's a marathon. And the best things that marathoners do is that they train. Mm-hmm. If you're going out there and you are trying to hit the pavement and you're trying to run the race, you're going to lose and blow your glycogen before you even hit mile one marker. Yeah. And so this is a relay. And so if you think about a relay, whether it's the four by four, four by eight, et cetera, if you're into sports, is that what they practice a lot is how to pass the baton. And so when you're sitting there, you're trying to figure out how do I pass the baton because your sprinter is out first. Mm. Okay. Yeah. The two people on the relay team is at the front and at the end. (laughs) And so how many of us are really in the middle holding the line? (laughs) That is good. (laughs) So so when I think about that and I like, I I speak in metaphors and I like to create those pictures for people because you have to figure out what part of the relay. And if you've ever done a marathon relay, Again, you have people who might run one mile, two miles, three miles. You have people who are strong at the hills. And so they're placed along that marathon where you get the hilly part of the route because mm. that's where their strength is used. And so you have to begin to shift the way you think about what's happening because the institution of racism was not created in one day. Amen. Systemic about systems. If you know anything about systems, you're going to have to reboot, reroute, <laughs> or override the system. 
And so when you're thinking about how you're going to tap in is that money's great. And I saw a post and I was looking for it. I didn't find it before I talked to you. And it said, okay, I'm not impressed because you've apologized. And when we're talking about apologize, we're talking about even the big ones. I'm not, I'm not impressed. I'm looking at what you're going to do to dismantle the system. Kind of what you were just saying, what are you doing to get to the root to dig up that root because what we're doing is we're just cutting the weed so we don't see it anymore. But as we know with those horrible weeds mm-hmm. is that the roots are strong and they keep coming back. And so you got to keep pulling them. And do you have the fortitude? Yeah, that's the yeah. question. So I, I love what you were saying. I mean, it just, that's, that's the point. And I, and I think that many people are going, I don't know what to do right now. Okay. Well sit down and be quiet somewhere and figure it out for yourself. Right. Yeah, I literally just had this conversation, a similar one, last night. And it was interesting because, you know, just talking about, I was being interviewed by a white woman, and she is brand spanking new to this work. And her eyes are open, and she really wants to learn, and she wants to do. And so we were having a bit of a get your people kind of conversation. And when she asked, like, well, what, what do we do? How do we get involved? I'm like, here's what we do. You get a book, you watch a movie, you watch a video, you listen to some activists and some teachers, and you sit down and zip the lip and spend that first year or two, possibly, being silent in terms of, you know, going out and trying to create a platform and be somebody and and say something. And you focus on your own internal work because this is about a marathon. And if we don't train properly, and if we don't do that internal work, we are going to get exhausted. And it's a test because it's not sexy. You're not, you're not putting yourself out there as anybody special who's learning these things and doing these things. And you've got this identity now rooted in the fact that you're, you know, basically being a decent human being. Um, and, and that's, that's not fun. And there are no cookies in that, right? But I feel like that's a test as well to people. Are you really in this? What are you in this for? What is your intention in this? Because while intentions aren't the the cornerstone and, and good intentions lead to very bad things, the intention can be checked in terms of, am I doing this because I want to be seen as a good person? Or am I doing this because I acknowledge there is systemic injustice and racism and oppression, and I want to be part of co-liberation? right? That is a very different place to come from. And so I love, like, I love your analogy and the way you take it. I myself have never actually um, ran a marathon. So I I don't even know all of those lovely things that I just learned from you. Um, But it was such a great visual too of like body parts even, right? Like everybody's different. Everybody's got a different function and focus and gifting. And, and if we can work together in a body sort of fashion in that way, or in this kind of relay marathon fashion, what a powerful visual and also what a powerful movement that could become. Absolutely. I just, I think about when you see people who take on those around the world challenges, those great races, Mm -hmm. and they work in teams. (laughs) And right now we have an opportunity to really evolve to the greatest version of ourselves. And when people come to me, they go, I'm trying to, I have a very eclectic 
um, group dynamic, um, and even family, which is made of people from all over and different races. And I said, you know, start with you. If we eat, if every one of us worked on being the best version of ourselves, then exponentially using the multiplier effect, effect, we're going to have a greater impact. And so, because we're coming to the table as the best version of ourselves, not the broken rendering or the bastardized version, because somebody told me, you know, who I should be. And so I'm not dealing with my own ish. And so they go, well, I can't, I said, well, you quit trying to convince somebody else of who they are. Worry about yourself. I think about that little girl on the car, worry about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And then you keep showing up and you keep being intentional and you keep doing what you can do aligned to your gifts. And you begin to model because here's the spoiler alert. And I was sharing this in um, teaching because I actually, again, started as a result of this, some racial literacy roundtables for leaders. And it's the first Tuesday of the month. And it's an open space for leaders to have a space to talk about, a safe space to talk about, okay, (laughs) how do I do this? What do I say? How do I not say? And, you know, because when you're in leadership, it can be very lonely at the top, but it doesn't have to be. So this racial literacy for leaders roundtable is about really providing context for leaders and also how to have the conversation and still stay because my background, my expertise is in leadership development. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, great, we'll have that. But then what led to me doing some other guest spurting, or actually I call it black spurting, (laughs) black expurting, Um, (laughs) it's been like, I said, I'm coining phrases all over the place, people, is that people are saying, I want an action plan. So they're going, I'm aware now, but what's my action plan? So again, I said, let me do a masterclass, which is on the 20th. Actually, I'm doing a masterclass on June 20th is coming up Saturday to go to shift from awareness to action. But the action plan is based on you not what you think should be happening. So depending on where you are, meaning where you are. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And here's the piece as an entrepreneur and also as a small business owner, a woman in business, I realized that I didn't want to grow frustrated that I feel like I have to put all this energy and effort and then my business suffers. So I said, my goal doesn't change to educate and help leaders develop leadership plans, but my plan can shift to saying the what I'm offering right now because it's timely. And so I shifted that and kind of built that on. And I said, okay, now my mom, I'm having a conversation with her and she's saying, you know, I don't understand because I don't even know our history. I don't know it like, you know it, and I don't know the context. So I said, okay, I'm going to offer another free series because I'm a teacher, I'm an educator Mm -hmm. and it's going to be context for conversation, context for clarity, and then context for consciousness. Mm. And I'm going to do a three-part series, which will be complimentary. I'm putting it together now because people don't know what to say and they don't have any framing to even start a conversation. And so I just looked at what are my gifts? I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. So let me enter the dogfight. I've done my, I've gone to a protest. I've, you know, done other things. I've contributed in certain ways, you know, financially, but I realized that my passion is for educating. So let me line it up because I'm here for the long game. Yeah. I love the context for conversations because I feel like that is something that is missing for so many people. You know, it's like for me, the history that I learned was so whitewashed and so incomplete. And even at the time that I was learning it, I knew like the winners, quote unquote, write the history. 
And yet the thing that I find is the more that we engage the history, the more that we learn and the more that we understand, the more language we develop around these conversations, the more that we're able to enter in these conversations, you know, because my job, my role as a co-conspirator is to talk to people and to talk to my people and go into the DMs and engage the conversations and encourage people to listen to this podcast or, you know, another podcast and read this book and do these things. But it helps so much to have an understanding of why we are where we are, what the constructs of race are, why they were created. I mean, all of those things just add such body for us to be able to engage these conversations more competently. So I love that you are creating that. That sounds amazing. And this is my, this is my, um, my happy place. Cause I taught American Negro slavery. I taught reconstruction. I talked about the new Jim Crow. I taught this. So I have actually an awareness and a knowledge base that is rooted in, I can tell you in 1639, 1640, when the terrible transformation, that's the period that it's called that. And people go, why? It's called the terrible transformation because at that point it became embedded. And again, in our policies, Amer- when I say R, I'm talking about American policy that Again, a Negro meant to be enslaved. Mm-hmm. So you had indentured servants before. Usually you serve your indentured servitude and you were set free after you served your time and you paid your debt. But in the one case of John Plum, and if you look at the original documents, see, I like to teach original documents. Yeah. Not here today, is that you see this person of Irish descent. You're going to do your three years and you're free. This person, you're going to do your time. And it says when it comes to John Plum, a Negro, you will serve the rest of your natural born life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was, yeah. <laughs> so when you're talking about, you know, the why and people say, well, slavery has been around for forever. It has been around, but American Negro slavery is different because it's chattel slavery. Exactly. It wasn't your slave because of spoils of war. It was, you are a slave because you are black. That's different. Yeah. (laughs) And all of our institutions have that embedded. And if you look at things, people go, I never knew about Black Wall Street. I never knew about Rosewood. I never knew about the massacres in Boston and, you know, the race wars, many of them happening in the North, not the South. Uh Race wars were in the North and they were over social, it was over economics. So you've got to understand the economics behind it. So people are talking about this and they're talking about race and racism, but race is different than racism. <laughs> and racism, you can't talk about it without talking about the social economic constructs of it. You have to. Right. So I think that that's the part that gets me excited to see the light go off. People go, oh, okay. Now I can have an educated conversation on my terms. And I also can figure out how could I use my gifts? Because what we really need is someone in the boardroom. To say, okay, I don't want you to change. And, and people's like, oh, there's needs to be a change. Well, we've been talking about change for over 400 years. What we need is a transformation. Change is about a different way of doing something. I've now opened the door. You can come in. Transformation is a different way of being. As I see you, I value you. And now you actually have a voice. And what you say is going to influence and impact what we do. Mm, I'm looking for that. transformation. I'm yeah. not looking for Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, because, you know, like, to me, I'm focused on this concept of change, because I feel like change is something. It's movement, right? But this concept that you're introducing of transformation, I mean, that takes it into an entirely different space. And this idea, too, that we would honor people's stories and experiences and appreciate people for being cultural guides, right? Like, that is a beautiful thing. And yet I struggle because I see at, at the same time where we're having these conversations and light bulbs are, you know, kind of turning on and, and we're engaging more. I also see this decline in the United States of people's appreciation for, say, expertise. And what else does that do? And how does that impact then the way that we allow people to be the guide for their life. Like, who do I want to learn about what it's like being the mother of a child who has epilepsy? Do do I want to learn about that from somebody who doesn't have kids? No. I want to learn about that from a mother of a child who has epilepsy, right? Like, and, and so on one hand, we've got people who would argue, well, yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. But then you've got this massive gaslighting taking place when people show up and they share their stories and somebody's like, well, I, you can't be too sure about that. Are you sure it was that way? Are you sure? You know, and, and all of that going on. So I'm just curious. I mean, here I am. I'm going to ask you a question. Ha ha ha. No. <laughs> bring it on, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> but like, what, what is your hope or how do you see that shifting? How, how can we fight that and encourage growth in this idea of shifting this consciousness. One mindset at a time. Mm. And I say one mindset at a time is because the, the crypt keeper, our subconscious, our amygdala, how our brain works is because we cannot take the fact that we are, we're human out of it either. Right. And so our stored knowledge and our stored awareness about who we are. So I did, there's two things that I ask leaders when I work with them in groups and one additional bonus one that I've been asking recently of people, um, cause great leaders ask great questions. And so my first question goes, well, how do we do this? I tell you, you got to start with you. I'm always going to tell you, start with you. And so here's the question that I ask myself every day that I get up every day. And then I go back and I process it, you know, by the end of the night about how well I did today. So you got to break it down into bite-sized pieces. Seriously. Is that where is the lie in your life and what are you willing to sacrifice to live your truth? Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Got to identify the lie. (laughs) That lie could be that I am an activist. When I hear you and the work you do, you're more of an activist than I am. I'm an educator. Yeah. You're an activist. This is the work that you do. So people have to understand what is your role? So my role, the lie would be that I'm an activist. Do I believe in social justice? Absolutely. Do I want to be a part of the solution? Absolutely. Am I an activist that wants to do that for a job? Hell no. <laughs> okay. Right. No, I'm not even going to lie. Okay. Right. <laughs> nope. Don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but, so I have to be honest with myself. And that comes from, I said, there's three things that you need and you must have to order, have a success mindset is that you need to have clarity about who you are. Who are you? 
right now today in this season, not who you were 20 years ago. I mean, gosh, three years ago, I was 40 pounds lighter and I was a runner and I was a this. Okay. I'm talking about today. Who are you today? What is your IM story of today? That's the clarity you need. Because once you're clear there, this is part of my C3 blueprint for success, for success mindset, is that in the three is actually an exponent of three is nine C's. So I, I'm always about the multiplier effect. And so you've got to have clarity. Once you're clear, it allows you to be confident. So when Jenny comes to me, you're like, well, let me question you. Okay, boo, I'm ready for you because I know who I am. <laughs> right. I know who I am. You're not going to define me. I know who I am because I'm clear about that. I've done the work. Mm. Okay. And now I can now show up consistently. So I have clarity, I have confidence, and I have consistency now. And so I have authentic leadership. I have integrity. People are going to see me for who I am and they're going to trust and believe me because what I've shown them is that just because you said I should be doing X, I told you I'm not looking for X, honey. I'm actually over here within. Yeah. I'm the solution. And this is the solution that I'm going to offer because I'm clear about what my gifts are. Thank you. Yeah. So that's what that C3, that's the what. How do we get to that is what people, my clients ask me a lot. How do I get to that? And that's what I call, which another piece of my program is called the shift factor. I've been talking about shift for years. So right now everybody sounds like, Hey, brand alignment, but, um, <laughs> but the shift, shift is actually an acronym. So the S starts with self-awareness. Okay. Who are you? Who are you? And, and that self-awareness, how long it takes for you to get that solid, how, how long it takes. And it's always ongoing because once you're self-aware about who you are today, what are your strengths and where's your opportunities for growth? It allows you now to move to the H and that's where humility comes in and being humble. Humble doesn't mean less than, it means empowered by. Empowered by knowing I don't have all the answers. I don't need to have all the answers because I'm equipped with a circle and a connection to someone who probably does. And I need to humble myself, get over myself. Don't let my ego get in the way of my excellence. And I need to reach out and say, okay, here's what I don't know. And here's where I need help. And to me, that's a sign of strength and empowerment. But you got to be self aware and know where you are and who you are to know where you need to kind of buffer and strengthen and scaffold you. Okay. And now that you are self-aware and you're humble enough to know that you might need some supports. Okay. Think about a tomato plant, right? The bigger you get those heavy tomatoes come, you got to put those little scaffolds around it. And with that, there's a sense of intentionality, which is the I. Now you can be intentional about what you're going to do. And that intentionality is aligned to who you know that you are. (laughs) And that intentionality allows you to focus and really begin to focus and have focus over fear. And when you're making decisions, you're making it because you're focused, not because you are afraid. And that piece allows you the, again, we move to the T, to be tenacious. Mm -hmm. And tenacity is really a part of being unstoppable. And unstoppable doesn't mean being comfortable, being uncomfortable. That a thong is uncomfortable and you wear it anyway. Okay. (laughs) Unstoppable means that it doesn't look like I thought it would and everything is falling around me, but I'm going to keep moving anyway. And by moving, even if I move a micro inch in the direction forward, I'm still moving. So that's what the shift factor is all about. That's the how. And people right now, and going back to your initial question you asked me one mindset at a time, is that people often know the what. They get stuck on the how. 
Yeah, that is so true. They get stuck on the how. And so what they do, they're overwhelmed and they give up. And then that guilt adds another layer to their subconscious. And so mindfully, they've been speaking to themselves that I'm a failure. I don't have a part. I don't have a voice. And they tell themselves that, whether verbally or subconsciously, because they got stuck on the how instead of thinking about that shift in the age going, oh, I don't have to do this by myself. (laughs) What are you willing to sacrifice to live your truth? And so that's part of that. And then the second bonus question, you're like, damn, there's more. Yeah. I love the it. Second, <laughs> the second part of this is I then asked the question, cause I was sitting in my reflective point, And like I said, we're all going through this. We're all in the midst of shift. Okay. It's cataclysmic for us all. Mm. And so I had a lot of just feedback and reverb. I'll call it noise about, but I'm not a racist. You don't have to be a, a racist. You can mute yourself without intention. You can opt out. And so therefore you're not opting to be part of the solution. So people will say, I'm not a racist, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, you know. Right. Okay. So you you sit the people sit there. So here's the thing. They don't realize that part of that is also part of the privilege in which people who are part of the change speak to. And so I did ask the next question. I said, What if your truth is a lie? Hmm. And I had a conversation with actually, you know, client, she goes, well, but isn't it, it's your truth. So it has to be true. No, 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 no. Because what have you been telling yourself? Because again, what we say and speak to ourselves becomes our truth. But what if it's based on lies, but we never want to do the work to really get to our true authentic self. Yeah, And I think that's what people are dealing with right now. So that's why I say one mindset at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, when people kind of opt in, they go, oh my goodness, you really go in. I said, I go in because you have to go in to lead out. Right. I don't want your messed up viewpoints out there on the front line with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but aren't there many? Yes. So... <sighs> together get yourself together boo and then we can come and do this together we are a relay i want the strongest members on the team and if you need to go heal if you need to go do some work if you need to go through therapy if you need to go through whatever kind of rehab do it yeah and then meet me at whatever part of the race where you're ready to tap in that's so good I've got nothing for you. <laughs> I'm just speechless. I'm like, all right, I'm taking notes. <laughs> I was like, Jen got me up here getting all like all excited this morning. I didn't know what this conversation was going to be. Like I said, I know how we were going to start. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen in the middle, but I'm so glad you asked the question because when I say about how do I use my voice and my gift, this is it. Yeah. You see that? So, me getting tired and walking five miles, which I did or was plus down Hollywood Boulevard was great. And it gave me a certain energy, but I knew that that's not how I want to show up every weekend. Right. I knew that. I knew that that wasn't the best use of my gift in this dogfight. Right. <laughs> and that is the challenge because in this work and in this fight, it's never ending. It feels never ending. 
And it's this constant just fighting. And um, that's where I think like for me, I have learned the importance of one, like you said, focusing on who am I? What is my gift? And how am I to show up within that space? But also, how do I take care of myself? How do I rest? How do I not get caught up in this never-ending cycle of I've got to constantly be going, constantly be doing, constantly be working, and having that just anxiety? That has been challenging over the last three to four weeks for me. Um you know, it's been hard to turn things off. It's been hard to sometimes shut down. And uh, it's not that I ever want to disengage, but sort of, right? So, um, so yeah, that has been that has been a learning process for me over this last month or so. Is just seeing like where my weaknesses are, where my triggers are, how I can get caught up, and um, yeah, and just get exhausted. Right. And that's the tension of growth. That's what it's really called. You know, the space is that tension of growth is that if we're just throwing money at it. And like I said, I'll take your money. And like I was doing, I was, when you, they'll hear the episode from that I recorded yesterday with another amazing um, sister. But I said, when people go, okay, what can I do for you? You want to go wash my car? It needs detailing. Yeah. You want to go clean the tire? I mean, if you, if you really want to become that harder, um, do you want to become my Instacart? Rap what? Because when I hear that, that's kind of like what I feel like. Oh, do you want to go and you know unpack these boxes from my mood? Do you want to pay my house? Like, like <laughs> I don't know. If you're asking me what I need you to do, I got some shit around my house I need you to do. <laughs> I'm liking this idea though. I'm sitting here going, now you know, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> right? and, and, if, and if I said that and I and I say that out of jest, but really to provide clarity for people, because I want them to understand the context in which they're framing it, they need to sit back and think a little bit about what they're asking. Mm-hmm. And and I say that intentionally. And I said I do that um because I want you to really think before you speak out, because if you're asking me this, are you prepared for the answer? And so that's really a testament to where you are as far as your awareness and how you want to show up. So stop telling people, what should I do? What do I want to do? Sit in it, get clear about that. So you can be confident and consistent and say, here's how I want to offer my support. Here's how I want to tap in. Here's how I can use my influence to impact and effect change and transformation. Here's how I could use my voice. And if it's financial money, great, but that means you've thought it through. And quit just going and looking up stuff and saying, I just gave money to this fund. Is that a fund that's really connected to really how you see the fight should go? Or is it just something that you saw pop up and you just wanted to give something really quickly? Because I'll tell you, here's a spoiler alert. Some people are taking advantage Mm-hmm. And they are collecting massive amounts of money, and none of it is going to the fight. And we won't name names, but. <laughs> well, well, and, and the point of all that is because people are human, which is why I said one mindset right. at a time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's kind of, you know, anyone that listens to my podcast, especially, I've been, I've fallen in love with this series, right? Yeah. Because I love a great conversation. And I love great questions and I love stories and I love experiences. And I want people to share, where are you at? Not what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And is there some way, again, 
when we're having dialogue, I'm learning from you. And if there's some way I can impart an understanding to you and through you, that means that's impact. Right. That's using my influence. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to watch um, just how people are responding. And when you were talking earlier, I was thinking about this, you know, people are like, what do I do? What do I do? There's such an insecurity and there's such a, I feel like there's this loss that takes place when white people wake up to the fact that they're white and they wake up to racial injustice. And, and it's like they lose a sense of themselves and they don't know what to do. You know, so they're like, okay, well, I clearly don't know what I should be doing. And so I need somebody to help me figure out what to do. And on one hand, I think that's good. But then on one hand, I think that is a response in part to grief. And the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how do we grieve? How do we sit in discomfort? And as a you know, like broad brush stroke here, I would say that by and large, we don't sit well through discomfort and grief. And I think that plays a big role in how people show up in this work and if they're going to stay in this work. Because if you don't get comfortable with the fact that you are going to be sitting in an amount of grief, and if you don't get comfortable with lamentation it might not be work that you're going to stick with because at some point it's going to get so painful and so difficult and so hard to sit in. If you don't have that understanding and that framework, you're just going to ghost it. You're out, you know? Um, So that's been really interesting as well. Just kind of thinking through that and trying to figure out how to engage people and prepare them in a sense for that and for the need to be able to sit in discomfort. Um, so that's just been something that I've, I've been thinking about. a lot. I love that. I love that. And we talk about cycles and we talk about growth cycles and we talk about, you know, during this part, you will get fatigued. You will get fatigued. So it's important. And I was sharing this in a couple of different conversations and even um, in my Facebook community, the Leadership Collective. And I said, you know, sometimes it feels like I felt guilty in the beginning for being happy. Like how, I mean, my son just graduated from school. Um, I'm in the middle of a launch. I'm working on Future Cast, which is my very first virtual summit and pulling it together after some other things. And it's just came coming together so beautifully. And I'm so excited about the things that I'm working on. I'm in the midst of one of my creative, um, just a sense of creative overflow for myself and my clients and things that I want to celebrate. And I said, I had to also deal with my own self and say, you can be happy. No one says you have to be happy and you can, you don't have to be on all the time and you don't have to be again, the black spirit all the time. And you don't have to be, you know, just engaged constantly because there's trauma associated with it. Yes. And, um, as a black woman, and then also, and like I said, I'm hundred percent transparent. It was also a little bit of that. There was a Breonna Taylor before there was a George Floyd. There's a sign of black women's lives matter. So I'm feeling this as a black woman, a black mother, Mm. and then a black citizen, you know? So, but the black woman in me almost felt that once again, I have to suppress 
what I'm working on to deal with the overarching. And I thought, once again, I'm being penalized for being Black. Mm. I love this concept, though, of joy as an act of resistance. And so so my podcast that I started a couple of years ago, it's called Speaking of Racism. And in the latter part of 2019, I asked a friend of mine who is an anti-racism activist and Black woman if she would come on as a co-host. And she agreed to do that. And very quickly, we sort of assessed things. And she said, you know, what do you think about me coming on and actually taking on ownership of the platform? Because for me as a white woman, it was never appropriate. And I was never going to monetize the platform or make it about me. So I immediately was like, yes, that's amazing. And so Tina, as of January of 2020, became the owner and co-host of the platform. And we had never actually met in person, but we planned a trip and we met in California in the end of January. And it was an experience of just the most amazing joy and connection. And she and I were really like surprised by it. And also very impacted by it. And it's really impacted the way that we view the work, the way that we show up. Um, We actually, you know, have this thing where we always ask, like, what's your joy moment? And discuss this concept of what does it look like to practice joy as a radical act of resistance? And so, oh, I just absolutely affirm that and you know, like that has been such a gift to me because particularly as a white woman, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, is joy for me? Is this really meant for me? Why am I experiencing joy in this work? And is that okay? You know, and and I really wrestled with that for quite some time. And in the beginning, my answer was like, no, joy is not for me. And I was wrong. And I have learned um, but, oh, it's such a powerful thing to, to grasp this idea that rest and joy is resistance. And here's the beauty of everything that you said that I love is that all of us thrive off of micro wins. Mm. Why do we want to keep doing something that's painful if there's no joy in it? Why would we want to stay on the if it wasn't, if it didn't make us feel good and we couldn't celebrate our successes. So I had to kind of go back and say, okay, no, it, I'm, I love doing, like I said, I love these conversations. I love the new sense of awareness through the dialogue that is created. I love the fact that once again, I've unmuted myself and based on some, my own experiences as an educator and a school leader who um, face quite a bit of discrimination and racist actions, I, I went quiet. I, I buried in a hole, but I realized I wasn't buried in a hole. I was in a chrysalis phase mm. for the last four years. So people's like, Oh my God, I'm seeing you speaking. I said, do you realize that I was made for this? Yeah. <laughs> Like, babe, this is, this is my sweet spot, but I've been so quiet because I was working on my own healing and I had to go through and deal with some of my own ish. And then I realized that this actually feels good for me. And it's back to the space in where I was called to be 
in the manner in how I was called to serve. And so that feels good. And through that work, I will prosper. (laughs) I will make money. I will grow my business. I will um, grow my platform. I will, you know, um, elevate my voice, not because I'm thinking about the profit first, but it's aligned to my purpose. And through my purpose, I've been designed to profit because that's how, you know, I'm a woman of faith. That's how it flows. And so I thought first thought, oh no, I can't. Well, that's why the opportunities weren't presenting itself. I didn't start speaking. I didn't start my podcast. Like you said, ever to monetize, whatever else. It was like, I want to hear and collect women's stories because the lead her shift movement is about shifting the way women think about who they are as wives and mothers and sisters, et cetera, and how they learn, experience, um, apply and develop how they lead because it's through their own individual narrative and growth that they're going to exponentially impact others. And it's teaching them to serve from their overflow. That's my platform. That is so and good. So- <laughs> I love it. I'm loving Jen. I'm like, oh my God, Jen. Jen's like my, like Jen's, I'm like, oh my God, Jen, I need to have her on all the time. Because this, <laughs> is, this is how, this is what feels good to me. Yeah. You know, um, um, this is what I, I want to do, but I also, I give myself, I write, you know, I feel like instead of writing detention slips, like when I was a principal, <laughs> I give myself hall passes. I give myself mental peace passes. I give myself self-care passes and I do it intentionally. Mm. And I said, today you will not. So even if someone wants to get, today's not today. I'm going to, I'm going to have time tomorrow. I'll go ahead and deal with that tomorrow. But today it's not. Today is about me literally just being joyful about being in my moment. Yeah. You know, and and I'm okay with that. And I'm not asking for your validation. Your feedback is okay, but I really don't need your validation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I feel like I just went to church here. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. It's so funny because... I tell my pastor that he asked me to speak one year for Mother's Day. You know, that's a big deal to speak at church on Mother's Day. Yeah. And I was like, okay, me, I do the Medea version of the Bible. Like, I'm a woman <laughs> of faith, but you know I'm not a preacher. And you know I'm an ambassador for Christ, but you know. And so the talk that I did, it's been like maybe, what, a year, two years now, is called, Are You Ready for an Epiphany? <laughs> <laughs> And, and I did, and it was great. And I talked about the different hats that we wear and I had, you know, I'm a teacher, so I had, you know, props and all this other kinds of stuff like that. And so I realized that in getting clear about who I was, I realized that I am all about, all about your I am story. Mm. And you'll hear in everything I ever talk about. And I went back and I found books and journals. I was speaking to that I am story, even when I didn't know it was a thing Mm. because I was trying to figure out who the hell am I yeah. right now? And, and and people say that. I feel like I went to her. I'm like, I just get excited and I get passionate about it. And I'm right? like, you know, but for so long, that passion, I was um, not necessarily ridiculed, but I was, it, I was, it was made to seem as if my passion and my earnestness was me thinking I was better than people. I was, I would hear that. And it was a lot of that. I received a lot of feedback in that. Mm -hmm. And that spoke subconsciously to who I wasn't. Mm 
but mm. it really, I feel that was part of the truth I developed. And so I started to be quiet. I didn't want to use my words because I felt like every time I used my words, then somebody was coming back and sucker punching me. So the, the women and the men out there who's like, you know, you've experienced black lives for five days and you're like, but they came back after me. Okay. Trust me. It's been 48 years, honey. (laughs) I've been doing this for 48 years when I said something and someone, and I thought it was really just, it was with the greatest intention and it was no malice. And I've had people literally sucker punch me, even when I was trying to help. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I, in in the phrasing was, how can I help? And if you need my help, let me know. If you don't need it, that's okay. You know, and I was still told, you know, you're condescending. What did I do? I just said, it wasn't what you said. It's how you said it. Oh, I mean, of course, of course. It's interesting because you just described my, probably from about the age of, I don't know, 19 until about 35 for me. And, you know, just being, I love to that visual of like, they're speaking to who you're not. And yet we internalize it as though that's who we are. And so for so long, I just felt like I was too much, too loud, to this, to that. And now I embrace it. It's who I am. And it's a good thing. And it's part of why I do the work that I do, the way that I do it, and how I show up. I'm definitely like an evangelist personality. I learn about something, I want to tell you all about it. And so I have definitely had my fair share of eye rolls and, you know, maybe you could just frame it a little differently. Maybe you could just say it this way or that way. And it's like, nope, done with that. All good. Thought about it. You know, (laughs) Yes, I I learned to apologize and I have to do that, but (laughs) it's, it's so, it's like I said, it was so refreshing, but I started to call people on it. And, and when I talk about being muted, um, and again, not intentional muting, because sometimes you mute so that you can hear loud, you can hear on a different level. So I'm not speaking to that. So I like to make sure I frame people who, you know, might do work like me and they say, well, mute is not a bad thing. No, let me give you the context (laughs) is that. Um, because I was even, I would not, I felt, and I didn't realize it until later. I felt a sort of sense of shame about telling people I had a PhD. Mm, that worked yeah. because if they found out, they start talking funny. And then they started, <laughs> I was like, honey, I take trash out. It's carpool. What are you talking about? Or they said, that's not how a PhD should talk. And they, that's how you shouldn't act. And then, or everything I said, it went under a microscope because now I'm condescending. But before when you saw me and you thought, and I look 29 plus tax and gratuity, of course, but like I said, I'm about, I'm almost 50 years old, but people assumed I was much younger. And here I am as a black woman in a leadership role in a position. And yet they thought I should be in a certain space on that ladder that they had me on wrong. Number one. And I actually was sitting at the top of the ladder And so when I opened my mouth and they found out that not only, not only did I have the credentials for that space, but I also had the articulations to serve you verbally and it made people uncomfortable. And so it was then you're condescending, but what did I say? What did I do? Well, it was just the way that you said it. Okay. I said, okay, team, how should we approach this? Here's some ideas. What's your ideas? That was condescending. It's just the way that you do. What, what, what did I, can you please Tell me, because I if it's something that I need to correct, then I'm going to course correct. If it's not, we're going to agree to disagree. Right. And see, you're confrontational. What? 
I'm asking you what's making you uncomfortable. <laughs> And how? See, that's what I that's why I don't want to say anything because you're just so combative. I'm combative to ask you if I've made you uncomfortable. Could you help give me some guidance so that I can not repeat whatever? So I I got tired of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was like, you know what? I just can't because I then begin to be triggered. And again, I have, you know, I can be a petty patty too. Because then you don't get Dina, you get Dr. Brown. And I know how to, I know the power of words. I know because I'm a neurolinguistic practitioner, I know how to string the right words together to make you feel like a grain of salt underneath somebody's toe. <laughs> and I felt that I was turning and I was, I was, again, no one made me, I made a choice to begin to use my impact and my influence, not aligned to what my calling was. And I didn't like it. And so when, again, that's the lie. When I say, where's the lie? I ask myself all the time, where's the lie? What are you doing? That's not aligned to who you are. Get it, get, get it together, girl. <laughs> you got things to do. And so I do a lot of that work with myself. And I, I start to say, I, I'm not mean. I'm not selfish. I'm not. I know how to be mean. I'm Ruby Louise's daughter. Oh, <laughs> you taught us lots of tricks. You know what I mean? It's trust. I come. Um, there's nine of us. I'm number seven. Woo! I I know. Trust me. I tell people I've been through some things, and I thank God I don't look like what I've been through. But I kept saying, "Do not ever let the smooth look fool you, or the dr dot confuse you. Mm-hmm. I will cut you with some pearls on, and then press charges because who are they going to believe? Okay? And I would say that. You know, people are like I've been code switching. I feel like since birth. Yeah. So I, I keep telling people I am armed with an arsenal of knowledge right. and tools to effect change. How do I want to use that is what I had to decide. How did I want to show up? And when I leave the room, what is the conversation and the energy that I want to leave behind? And I realize that my whole purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and trans form lives. How I do it will change and shift over the course of my journey. But that is the core of who I am. And that's my I am story. Mm, That is good. Jay, I'll be over here preaching this stuff. Let me stop. We can go on. All right. So we've, (laughs) and, and you know, you are welcome back any, 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 any time. You've got the way to look. Just book yourself in. <laughs> if you want to book yourself in, because I don't, that's a private link. It's not public. So that's only awesome. <laughs> is that in, in that. But I know that we've got, we've covered a lot. We've talked about a lot. And and I'm sitting and I know when I finish, I'm going to sit into and, and process the conversation and some aha moments because it's through these conversations that I also get a greater understanding of who I am too. Yeah. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So much for that. Yeah. And what do you want to, what do you want to say to those who are saying, you know, I want to, I need to, but where do I start? What advice and what is, what is, what is helpful for you? Yeah, I would say, you know, kind of back to the basics, focus on your internal work spend time sitting and listening and learning, reading. There are so many amazing black educators who have put out just a plethora 
of information and guides and in doing that and knowing that this is, like you said, this is a marathon. This is not a race. And if we approach this in a consumerist fashion and we want to, or we, we place expectations on where this will go and by what time this will be solved, we're missing the mark, right? Um, 400 years or more of history is not going to be undone in three days of your awareness. And I, and I don't say that to be mean, you know, or, or smarmy or whatever, but just to say like, you've got to be realistic about this. This takes time. And if we want to impact this world and change these systems and dismantle these systems and structures, it is going to require all hands on deck and absolutely serious internal work and understanding. So Take your time, give yourself grace, give yourself some rest, listen to black voices. And yeah, and that's what I would say. I love that. I love that. And also trust to know that some people love who they are as they are, hmm. racist included. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's who they want to be. Let <sighs> them be. You cannot change them. And I say that because I got this little buzz alert. And so I have to share this today and, and thank you for this conversation because it's helped me process differently that I'm offering, like I said, the, anti, um, the anti-racist the anti masterclass, which is moving from awareness to action. Mm. What do people want to do? And so the person, of course, because they want to insight kind of dialogue is like, and the anti-white hay fest continues. How do you get anti-racist <laughs> action plan <laughs> to create? So people are going to do things to trigger you. Right. And part of their joy is to trigger, actually part of their misery and their joy is to trigger you. And at the end of the day, I want to just share with everybody, you have a choice. You have a choice how you want to show up. You have a choice to engage and not or not engage. You have a choice. But whatever the choice you choose, make sure that you can live with it, whether it's a lie or not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what we got for you guys until next time. I'm loving, like I said, this series. And if anything resonates with you, please share it with, I don't know, a million of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I started going hashtag support a black podcaster. <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's been funny, but it's been a pleasure and a joy. And I look forward to additional conversations. And like I said, everybody out there, just remember, just really worry about you. And figure out what you need to do and then act accordingly. And even if it's a micro step, it's still whatever. It's still a step in the direction that you need to take on your journey. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Tune in. Catch you next time. Bye.